This episode is brought to you by NordVPN. Listen up, nerds. No. Good evening, Mr. and Mrs. America, from border to border and coast to coast and all the ships at sea. What? Hello, friends. Do you have a computer? Of course you do, because it's not 1987. Hell, you're listening to this on some kind of computer right now. But do you have a VPN? Oh, what's a VPN, you ask? Well, my friend, a VPN is a virtual private network and it offers two key benefits. Enhanced privacy and security online. But VPNs do a lot more than that. VPNs shield your IP address, change your browsing location, and make online life easier. It's all about safety and security, my friends. But, like everything else in life, it's also about watching TV. Don't let your paid subscriptions go to waste. I use NordVPN to access my home content while I'm traveling. Wink, wink. Plus, secure your connection on public Wi-Fi in airports, hotels, cafes, anywhere you go when you're traveling. There's over 6,300 servers in 111 countries, and you can find a nearby server for the best VPN speeds. NordVPN is easy to use. Connect with one click or enable auto-connect for zero-click protection. And it's got amazing speed. NordVPN is one of the fastest VPNs out there. And with just one NordVPN account, you can use it on six devices. It supports every major platform, Windows, Android, iOS, Mac OS, Linux, even Android TV. I think those are all real. Don't miss out on all the awesome benefits for using a VPN. Go to nordvpn.com slash ifanboy today for a risk-free 30-day money-back guarantee. The link's in the show notes. Once again, that's nordvpn.com slash ifanboy. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Um, you ever feel like you really need to get something off your chest? This is this this is a, like a real thing. Like, if you're mad, if you're upset, if uh, if there's something going on, like the I, there's there's often for me an idea. Maybe it's a wrong. Maybe it's a moment. It's it's an injustice. It's something that because you keep going on and on over and over in your mind about it, and like that can create anger and resentment or shame, whatever it is. And very often. I have found, I am not a therapist, I have found that when you let it out, when you give it voice, when you say it out loud, um, sometimes it makes you feel better because you've, you've expressed it. And sometimes it makes you realize like, oh, this is not a big deal, but I've, it's been stuck in my head. So you give voice to those things um, and it can make you feel a lot better. And shock of all shocks, therapy is one of those things that can help you do that. It can help you be able to say those things in a place where you don't need to worry about the repercussions of it, work your way through it, uh, figure out coping skills, how to get around it, you know, find, find ways to deal with that stuff instead of letting it fester. Um, if you are thinking of starting therapy, uh, if anything I said sounds familiar, you're like, oh, maybe my life would be a little better if I could deal with that kind of thing. You should give BetterHelp a try. It's fully online. It is convenient, flexible. It is suited to your schedule. That's the idea. That's what they're going for. Um, you can fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. That's a big deal. You can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. That that personal connection, I believe, to be super important. Again, I'm not a professional. Uh, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash iFanboy today. You get 10% off your first month. That is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash iFanboy. You are listening to the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast, episode 330, brought to you by graphically and iFanboy members like you.
Fanboy.com, Pick League Podcast, episode 330. My name is Connor Kilpatrick. I'm here with Josh Flanagan. That sounded like we were just going over the top of a roller. Hello, it's Ray. Hello. Hey. Hi. And Ron Richards. Wee. That's me going down the picture. roller coaster. We're <laughs> back. Last week we took we took off to have the writers come on as we do every year to come on and do the show for us because we're lazy. And it was fun. It was, it was well fun. It was well. I, I completely so for those who don't follow me on Twitter or whatever, I recently moved. And yeah. I completely didn't plan the move around taking the week off on the podcast, but that worked out. And uh, and my family visited me <laughs> yeah. for that weekend, so it was a perfect weekend to have plans to have not do the show. But but yeah, we didn't coordinate any of those plans. It just all worked out. That's nice. Yes. Yeah. So it's just how we've done things for, for twelve years. And if I were not we like comics, we read comics every week. We read a bunch of comics. One of us picks the best one, writes a review on the website. We talk about it in the podcast, along with other books of the week, and topics of interest, emails and voicemails, your thoughts and your your yearnings. Yearning. I don't want to talk about my yearnings on here. <laughs> Before we get to the show, a quick reminder and a warning. There'll be spoilers because it's a review show. So if you haven't read your books, pause the show and come back. It'll be fun for you and less work for us. <laughs> Josh, you had the pick. Okay. Uh, before we get started, this is sponsored by Saga. <laughs> <laughs> I, w- I wish. <laughs> I would say, please. <laughs> it is. No, it's not. But what is the difference? Saga number two, uh, saga number one was the pick of the week, and I got through all my books, and I was looking at them, and I had a couple contenders, and then I just I looked at Saga, and I was like, that's the pick. There was just there was no choice for me. It was it was just very it's, obvious and clear. It's really scary after reading these two issues how good Brian K. Vaughn is, and and that's it really. Yeah. I mean, my review is actually very similar to what we we're talking about before. Is it? Ju- it's just that Vaughn. Is really good, and I've I've missed him. And the like, the second issue was just more of what I liked from the first one, and just how it's really interesting to me because Vaughn is not doing anything ostensibly different than anybody else in comics. He just does that part, that thing, really well. In the same way that when you know we were talking about everything that Jeff Johns was doing, you know, when when Blackest Night was going on, and he had Justice Society, and, and it was like you couldn't put your finger on what it was that he was doing differently, but he was doing it. And that's what we've got Vaughn doing, and he's using, you know, the the comic is is not a not a superhero comic, but it's it's a mainstream comic. He's using all the same language and conventions and uh, formats and all that stuff, but it's just putting you in a slightly different world, and it's just it's just so damned enjoyable. And it's it's like you, you there's there's no point in any of the pages or the panels where you're getting like a little bored. There were books that I read this week, and I remember being like a third of the way through it, getting distracted and going and doing something else, and then going back to read it and going you know getting distracted because it you know it wasn't sucking me in, but like this thing had me all the way through. I don't, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what this world is going to turn into. Be showing me just enough that I keep turning those pages. And his voice, and it is a voice. His comics definitely sound like him in the same way that, say, Bendis's comics sound like him. Is just so enjoyable to me. And and it reminds me of the other thing it does. It reminds me of all of the best comics that you know of his that I've read. And it, it just puts me back in that framework that makes me think, God. These are these these are good comics. This is great stuff. And and this issue was was just more of that. And it's and all the hard work of exposition and and setting up who everybody is, that's all out of the way from the first issue and now we can just, you know, start walking down that road of the plot and start getting to know these characters better. And I'd said something in the review along the lines of is when and and I guess here are your spoilers, but you should be reading this in issues quite honestly. When she turned the gun, Alana, she turns the gun on her baby. I was like, I would have not seen that coming, but it was the only way to get out of it, and I don't know what she's going to do because she's an alien, and I don't know her, and they're from a different world where they grew up with total war, and she was a soldier, 
and she might love her kid, but you know, what do we know what they're going to do? Well, you know, she's not going to kill her because the kid's narrating the story. <laughs> I realize from, from the future. <laughs> I realize this, but it's still. I mean, it's a comic book. Like, it's still the last page could be him blowing the baby's head out. Yeah, and and then the first one is like, so how did I come back? And and I just don't know. Is yeah. is my point? And it doesn't. It's so many of the comics that we we read are, uh, you know, they're looking backwards. They're pulling from the past. They're they're showing you all the things that you used to love, the things that that had happened before, and this comic is doing the opposite of it. It's it's and, and, and you know not in a thematic way. These are not unusual themes. It's you know it's Romeo and Juliet. It's space opera. It's you know I've seen everything from you know Romeo and Juliet meets Game of Thrones to you know stump Star Wars. It doesn't. Yeah. But as far as you know, in comics, I, I have no I have no preset expectations of what this is going to be other than real good. I, I was really curious with the second issue because with the first issue it was double sized and we got we got glimpses of all the different kind of players like we got a, a very good high level chessboard you know here we got the the couple with the baby and we've got the the robot the tv head robot people and we've got the the bounty hunter and we've got all these kind of things so i was curious to see how it would condense into the 20 you know 20 or 22 page you know single issue format and we still got those glimpses and but it didn't feel less I, than or did, you know what i mean like yeah i didn't feel yeah, short at all not at all at all yeah you know the robot head guy in the Napoleonic uniform, yeah. I don't know where he's coming from. Yeah, <laughs> I, got, I got nothing. But but at the same time, they're all using language and they're all using societal tropes that are that are very familiar to us. So it's not like they're completely alien because they some of their speech makes it sound like they live in our world completely. You know, the ATMs and my agent and, and yeah, uh, yeah. Like the, there's a lot of there's a lot of out like and that's that's what I think is interesting. And, and it goes back to my my early review of, of the first issue, which is, is that you know th- the 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 science fiction, the recent science fiction that I've really enjoyed, mainly in TV with with Firefly and with Battlestar Galactica, they've all had hints or nods to relatable things mm-hmm. you know like like it was extraordinary and totally out there and people in space and stuff like that but there was a couple of things that grounded it in a relatable world that i could that i could connect with as opposed and even star wars has this to a certain degree you know yeah. like you know like and um you know not totally totally out there you know way way out there science fiction um, or like crazy fantasy or anything like that there's something that pulls me into it as the reader where i'm like okay i could picture myself in this world as well well, it's a fine line um, yeah, yes. because you don't want to make it so I, – I mean personally as a reader, I hate referencing at this point, pop yeah, culture yeah. referencing. I don't want to read that. But it's very difficult for a lot of people and, and to a certain extent myself included this to have this really sort of dense, non-ironic, uh, otherworldly sort of speech that, that, that takes itself really seriously. So people have a, have a hard time with that and I think that he's skirting a line here. You know, it, there's, there's been a couple of things where I'm like, well, let's maybe may make this a little more alien than you're talking about. But for the most part, uh, I think it works really well. Um, and it works with his voice too, which I, which I think is 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 important. Uh, the other side of the thing is the art of Fiona Staples, and uh, you know I'm just I've been a fan of everything I've ever seen from her. And the the thing that stands out to me most in this is is her character acting. Her character acting is so strong, uh, from body language to facial expressions to to just the, the coloring and the, and the the way this world looks and works. And and we don't see all of it yet. I want to see more of it, but you know you can just. 
you can tell a lot about the characters from just the way that they're standing. It's, and it's com- their face. completely the emotion, like the when when um, the horn dude—I forget his name—the the father, um, Marco. Yeah, he when he does the spell and he, she's got to admit the secret and the look that the, the look on her face when she admits the secret. Yeah, you know, and then on the next page, the kind of grin that he does at the end. You know, like it, it, it reminds me yeah. of of like that. You've ever seen videos of like old disney animators or even current ones you know doing doing animation they, they've got a little mirror in front of their desk and they make like a big exaggerated face yep. so they can draw that into the animation and 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 i, I realize i don't actually see that in comics as much as i would think uh but it's all in here again it's it's i was so excited to read this, this was the first book i read out of my stack and it's just like i love that it just it's two issues in and yet, I don't know how we've been existing without this comic. I, I you know, like, I, <laughs> like out it, of the game. There was, there was a remarkable hole of Brian of Brian Vaughn's absence. Yeah, in comics, and I know that it's never going to come back to you know what it used to be. I think it's really fascinating that when you look at his career, he's one of the, he's probably right up there with Garth Ennis as sort of one of the superstars of comics who didn't make their bones by by doing a long run on on a big two superhero comic. Yeah. His work in those stuff never really stood out that much. I yeah, mean, you can point to miniseries. No, yeah, yeah, but it, but he, yeah, his, he's he's made a name for himself not in superhero comics. And I mean, and honestly, I mean, I don't know. I can't keep track of the if the number the March numbers are out yet or not. But this is the this is now one issue, and this is the number one book in Image. I mean, this, this currently this is selling better than The Walking Dead, which That's, I think which is, is, speaks volumes about the reputation of Vaughn. And you know, and, and and that void that that has existed in the what six years since he well whatever well Ex Machina ended how many years ago so what three years two or three years yeah but there was only like a year and a half yeah. worth of issues during that time yeah yeah exactly yeah I, I, it's it's just great and I'm glad that it's delivering and I'm glad that we get and that not only do we get to Marvel and Vaughn but we get to you know kind of dazzle at Fiona Staples so I think that's what's yeah. cool. And they're great issues. I mean, yeah. it's just, it's like, if you're going to read comics and issues, this is how you do it. Yeah. And it's not, you know, it's like I said, it's not a superhero comic, but if you read superhero comics, this is the same word. It's not some crazy whacked out indie comic, you know, auto bio. It's, it's just, it's the same language. It, it works exactly the same as other comics. They just switch the genre up a little bit. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's just using those same tools and using them as well as anybody out there. Yep. Yeah. I was just I was very happy to read it and I can't wait for the next one. So while Saga number two was really good, my I probably would have given Pick of the Week to America's Got Powers number one for the first issue, also from Image, written by Jonathan Ross and drawn by Brian Hitch. And part of it well, was A was, you know, two ninety nine and double size, so it was long. I mean and it felt long. It felt you know. But it, it's been funny after the past couple of years of Hitch at Marvel and you know, I've been I've been a a, a big critic of his art at Marvel because I kinda it kinda lacked what I liked about Hitch back, you know, ten years ago, back when it was stretchy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But this felt this. I mean, I don't know if it's I don't know if it's a matter of caring or not caring. Of course, you know, I, I people say like at the comic store, they're like, "Oh, you could tell he really cares about this book." And I doubt anybody does work that they don't care about, you know. So I don't yeah. know how much valid, valid that is. But I remember when the Authority came out, and that was the first time we started using the term widescreen comics and and this idea of using the full double page, you know, two page spreads and like a really big epic scope. And America's Got Powers totally had that for me. It had that bigger widescreen kind of feeling. And admittedly, the premise. I mean, the premise is for the you know those who remember it's kind of like JMS's Rising Stars meets what I've been saying it's Rising Stars meets the X Factor the TV show um, where you know there's a group of uh, something happened and a group of ch- a group of babies are born with powers and now it's su- sometime in the near future and they go on TV and they compete with those powers and and you know and it's it's a kind of an entertainment spectacle um, but I thought com- looking at America's Got Powers compared to Turf which is R- Jonathan Ross's first book I think he learned in terms of wordiness. 
Like this was less wordy, um, whereas <laughs> turf was very heavy word wise. Yeah. Um, and so he balanced that out. And, and in this in this issue, I thought we got a clear. Okay, here's the premise. There's like two or three subplots of groups of characters that you can see that are going to happen. There's the we're focusing on the kid, the people who are running the show, the people with the powers and all this stuff. And after this first issue, I put it down. I'm like, wow, not only was that really good, but that's something that I, uh, I could see this going for a while because they laid the groundwork really well, I thought. Yeah, so I totally dug it. I thought, and and on top, and then throw in the the hit the the hitch of old art. I was totally sold. I absolutely agree with you that this is the best hitch art I've seen in a long time. A long time, yeah. He's the master of the big face, yelling or not. Yeah. But to put a big put a big face on that page, um, and I, I thought that was definitely definitely the case. I can't say that the story interested me all that much. I was I was a little bored by it, and it, I mean, it, and it, it felt it, familiar. Like I kept. I kept being like, well, that was that's that's from Rising Stars. Yeah. Oh, so is that. I mean, it was, it was very close to Rising Stars. I will get, but the, which so you know, yeah. so was Heroes. Yeah, exactly. You know, and and in that way, I've just who colored this? I'm trying. Uh, to... Mounts, Paul Mounts. Oh, okay, yeah. So yeah, he you had uh, you had uh, Neary on inks, Paul Mounts on colors, and Eliopoulos on letters. Yeah, you know, it was a, it was a good looking book. It w- wasn't necessarily my thing, yeah. but uh, you, you, I mean, you're absolutely right. Whereas well, I couldn't read Turf, you know, like, yeah. I was just like, okay. That's just too much. Definitely learn from that. Still, still, it's a dense, dense group of pages. Yeah, Connor, I'd be curious to you should you should pick this up and check it out. I'd be curious to hear what you think of it. There's um, very little that interests me from what you're talking about. Really? I mean, yeah. I mean, uh, it doesn't sound intriguing. Okay. And I'm, I'm, I'm pretty much over Hitch at this point. All right, that's fair. That's fair. Well, I dug it. I thought it was good. I mean, like I said, the the uh, it, it clearly. I mean, the Rising Stars comparison is apparent, been, and mainly and and like and that's the thing. Like, if you had tweaked the origin or the reasoning, but the fact that like some incident happened and babies were born with powers, like that's that's Rising Stars. But it goes in a different direction in terms of you know Rising Stars took that you know they became superheroes and and try to find a place in this world or this is taking the entertainment direction and yeah and, I yeah, just I, yeah. like that that comment on entertainment and reality yeah. TV and stuff like I don't I don't I don't know I feel like we're living it too much and and I just I don't care I know all that stuff yeah. but that's because I. I'm a media professional, yeah. so that might be a different. Th- I went to school for it. Yeah. So. Well, be curious. Uh, so, so, and and the thing is, like, like you mentioned, like, whereas the first issue of Saga, which was double sized, and I could have read, you know, a quadruple sized issue and not have complained, I did feel the length of this issue. Like oh, I was yeah. reading yeah. it, I was like, oh, it's still going. You know, like, like I think <laughs> like this one might have benefited from actually ending normal size length. You know, <laughs> that doesn't sound like a good thing. No, I don't think it was a bad thing. It was just I know it wasn't that I noticed the length in a bad way. It was just I noticed the length. But, yeah. You know the thing is, I and this is this is a true thing. Like if I have a stack of comics, I want them to all be of equal length so I know where I stand. <laughs> no, I'm like I'm trying to read through a bunch of them, and if one of them is taking me three times longer to read than the others, I'm just like get on with it. I got I got shit to do. Yeah, yeah. Um, but that, again, that's a very unique yep. uh, point. So. Um, the last issue of Northlanders number fifty came mm-hmm. out this week. And it, it was a bit of a thud. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. And, and I, don't, I don't even think that that didn't fit because it does fit if you look at the whole book and how it's been. But this last arc, which is really interesting and really well plotted out, I thought it, it, you know, it was sort of about the history of Iceland basically. It was this sort of the last nine-issue arc. Uh, it it just sort of ended, and I never really felt like I got to know the people involved because they kept skipping ahead generationally. And well, the, the, at the, the end of it, it's the like last few, eh. the last few, the last couple or few issues focused on this generation of of Hawksons, and then yeah. with the with the father being imprisoned by the son and, the, and with the wife, and but it ended. 
it ended on a down ending. I mean, like they got defeated, you know, which makes sense. <laughs> yeah, like, so, have to. But at the same time, like uh, for me, for the last year plus, this book has been on this sort of up upward swing, and I feel like. Like the last group of issues, I just didn't really click with me the way that they had before that. I've been totally excited, you know, yeah. all through the, the Declan Shalvey issues. And then when he left for, uh, Daniel Zayshay, and the art's fine. The art's not a problem. Like, it's, it's just, it's just a little, a little simpering. Yeah, a little, well, the, the, out. the thought I had as I was reading this was that while we've had some great artists ranging from Declan Shalvey to Paula Sassetta to Becky Cloonan to Ryan Kelly to all these, to all these different, like, Northlanders for some reason like you know and I and I looked because I you know this Dangel Zezeji it's JJ ZJ um not point uh yeah not not that he was bad or good but I was like you know it really doesn't matter who the artist is on this book you know and like and, and not not in a way that it doesn't matter where anybody could be on it but like it, I've never read an issue of Northlanders where I'm like wow so and so really killed it on the art on this it's just been like it's I I I'm I'm trying to compliment it here I'm trying to say that the, I don't know that that's the, true though the book had the book has had a common tone and feel to it that has mm-hmm. existed from artist to artist which I think is a strength for the book true but yeah. Brian Wood has worked with a lot of his, yeah, his preferred people. collaborators on yeah. this. Yeah. People like Becky Cloonan, yeah. people like Ryan Kelly, and those issues were better. Yeah, yeah. For but they also don't stand out, though. I, they I, don't, I, agree with, yeah. I agree with Ron's point. I mean, I'm looking at my bookshelf with six Northlanders trades. I couldn't tell you one artist that worked on the book. Because I think it's more about the tone of the story. It's than the tone of the else. story, yeah, and 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 the the story working in concert with the art, where I almost forget about who the artist is because I I get lost in this in in the in the cold, you know, like and I you know I get caught up in the setting and in the story and everything like that. I, the artist becomes almost second second to it, which is an f- interesting phenomenon, I think. I don't know. Yeah, it, I didn't see. I didn't have that because yeah, I could yeah. tell you which artist did which. Yeah. You know, you know. I remember Leandro Fernandez did one. Uh, did oh, that yeah, one? Yeah, those are really village. good. Yeah, that was like really those good. are great. Uh, yeah. You know, and and is a great artist, but he's a little bit of the. He's the guy that Vertigo has yeah. to do, you know, fill-ins and stuff. And he's definitely got a style that fits for that. He did that. He did, you know, he's done graphic novels for them and stuff like that. But yeah. he's not like a superstar of the group. I don't know. Yeah. I, 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 I just, I wanted it, it fit. And I have, I have no literal complaints about it. I just feel I mean, like I wanted it to be a little different. I would have liked, I would have liked a, maybe like a one shot or one kind of one last story, you know, with maybe a little yes. more optimism or maybe a little more happy. It's just more of a cap on it. I, yeah. I optimism th- wouldn't have fit the book though. No, 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 I know. Yeah, you're right. You're right. But, 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 but yeah, you know what I mean? Like a cap. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Because it was a weird to, to, it was, there was a bunch of short stories of varying length, and then the end was this nine issue sort of like epic downward yeah. slide. Yeah. And then we're done. Yeah. And it just, it didn't feel like, like an ending, I guess. Cause they, they don't want to do 51 issues. Right. Yeah, exactly. But that said, 50 issues of a, uh, of a totally. Viking book. Yep. Whew. And, and I, 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 you know, I got off, I came back on. Overall, high recommendation for the series. I, I really enjoyed it, and I'm, I'm impressed that it was around that long. Yeah. Exactly. And it was a great run. I enjoyed all 50 issues, so bravo. So, and thus, thus ends Brian's Woods' tenure at Vertigo as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So another new uh, – a whole bunch of new issues this week. Secret Service for Mark Miller and Dave Gibbons. Um, did either of you take a chance on this or – After starting three of the last four Mark Miller minis and not finishing them, I didn't even bother. I mainly picked it up because I was – I'll admit I was drawn in by Dave Gibbons. Because I I thought about it while I've seen Dave Gibbons working, and we, we all know Dave Gibbons of Watchmen fame, and I've seen some stuff. You know, I can't remember the last time I've read a new sequential story by Dave Gibbons. So I was kind of curious. He did like a Green Lantern core. Yeah, story. well, no, yeah, and, yeah, he, and yeah. he did, and, and didn't he do? I remember he did a bunch of the the Just Imagine Stan Lee 
uh, stuff back in the early 2000s. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Did he do one of the Rocketeer Adventure stories or am I? Oh, I think he did. You're right. You're, you're right. Yeah. Um, but, but the shorts, you know, yeah. they're not. But um, uh, this was all right. Kind of odd. It, it opens up with um, in an odd Miller kind of way. And I'm going to spoil it to folks who didn't read it. But it op- so the whole premise is that there's this there's this dude who's a you know secret agent guy who's like you know kind of James Bond. I don't know James Bond esque, but like a modern kind of James Bond or whatnot. But it opens up with a bunch of kidnappers have just kidnapped Mark Hamill, like mm-hmm. Mark Hamill. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And and um and then there's a, a he on his way to Tashi Station. No, it's like it's just it's just Mark Hamill normal dude. They take him to some place in the in the Alps and they're you know and whatever. do the Joker voice. Oh and, come on. And then um and then a uh, what you think there's a little bit of a swerve that you, a dude comes to rescue him and a, a British agent guy and they ju- and they're being chased through the Alps and they're on a snowmobile and they're guys on skis it was very action movie esque it was very lethal weapon movie esque and they the 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 british agent and mark hamill go on the on the ski mobile they go off a cliff and the, the secret agent says don't worry the parachute will hold us both but the parachute never opens and they crash and die and that's the opening scene and mark hamill dies in this comic i was like can you do that, that do you need permission to do that <laughs> But um, so there was a bit of a swerve, but it introduces us to the idea of these British agents, and then we 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 get introduced to the one who's actually the story is focused on, and um, it was, I mean it it wasn't it wasn't as bombastic as Miller's been recently. That's good. Yeah, it uh, takes place. It, it mainly takes place in England, so there's a lot of British slang and a lot of British uh, kind of you know uh, language. But yeah, it was all right. It was intriguing, and the Gibbons art. I mean, he's still he's he's one of the greats, so he still got it as far as I'm concerned. Cool. Another new image book this week was Secret. There's a lot of new image I had books to, this week. I had yeah. to check that I didn't get the title for Secret wrong <laughs> when I did the script. Because I was like, wait, maybe it was called Secret Service? Oh, that's a different book. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Two secrets and number ones, yeah. From Jonathan Hickman, and I actually liked this slightly more than I liked Saga number two. Really? Wow. I really like this a lot. I this, was, this was great. This, yeah, I, lo- yeah. I love Jonathan Hickman's, you know, image stuff, and I, I love the, the idea. It's, it's right in my, you know, sphere of, of excitement. It's uh, sphere of influence. Yeah, sphere of influence. Um, <laughs> We've replaced Wheelhouse with I, oh, I sphere of excitement. I started to say is, Wheelhouse, and I had to come something quickly in the spot because I knew I'd hear it from you if I said Wheelhouse. So I, 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 I love sphere of excitement. That needs to come back. <laughs> so. It's about shady security agency that is up to no good, and I just I loved everything about this. This was I mean, I, well, you, you know what I love the most about this? The two things I loved about about this: the title pages, yes, were fucking awesome. Like talk about for typography, design, whatever. Like I just I love that Hickman book. He Hickman adds that into the book, and it looks like no other comic. Yeah. And and each one is different, and all that great. But um, I was really impressed by the coloring. Yeah, uh, I thought I thought overall the look of the book yeah. was really strong. Who colored uh, it? It was um, Michael Garland colored it. I thought it was. Re- I mean, and and Ryan Bodenheim was the artist, and he did what he did. Red Mask for Mars, right? Yeah, I thought yeah. I looked his stuff looked better than this. This yep. Red Mask for Mars. Yeah, um, the stories is the, there's a shady security firm that is working for this law or pitching work to this law firm. We find out that they're up to no good, and they're actually causing the trouble that they're being hired to stop. But I just I loved everything about this. It was it was there was a thriller aspect to it. There was a mystery. It was drama. There was action. I I, I really impressed. With Hickman's output lately, yeah. and we're going to talk about his next book in a second, but uh, he's he's certainly rocketing up the charts, I think, in terms of the best writers in comics. No, yeah, no, the, the moves he's made, but Manhattan between Manhattan Project and Secret, and, the, and Secret's an ongoing as well. Like yeah. that's the thing, like that's what's blowing my mind is that like it's funny because after after doing all those minis at Image and then going to Marvel and doing the stuff at Fantastic Four, when he came back to Image, 
like I thought there were just going to be another series of minis, but like when we talked to, when I talked to him at Image Expo and he was like, no, they're ongoing. So I was like, shit, you know, we haven't seen him do an ongoing of these kind of his idea. Well, I think that's yeah. to his benefit because in yeah. the past what we've always said is that this, the minis are too short yep. and there's too many ideas that he crams in and not really explores them. But as we've seen with Fantastic Four and, and with uh, the uh, – what was the other Marvel book that I dropped in the middle Shield. of? Shield. Shield. No, not Shield. The other one, the, the, the uh, Secret, Secret Warriors. Secret Warriors. He's, he really – exce- I know. He really likes the word secret. Uh, he, really, he excels with the long-form storytelling because he's got a lot of ideas. I wonder, so, what the, I wonder what the home life at the Hickman household is like. No, no, no one says anything they mean. It's his, like, yeah, his wife is like, what are, you, what are you getting at the supermarket? You'll see. <laughs> <laughs> it's a secret. It's a secret shopping list. <laughs> um, and so, he smirks. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I think, I think in that sense, the, the, his two new books are really exciting. Yeah. He, here's the thought that I had when I was reading this, and I want to preface this by saying – that I thought it was really well done and I actually really enjoyed the story. It was weird as a comic book property. Yes. Because it was mostly people talking and I thought – That's that's not unusual at all. It was all people talking around desks though. I mean that's that's not usual for a comic book. A comic book's well, usually I, a visual medium and it, it, was, it pulled it off well. I thought it, I, I mean thought, that was I, I was the same thought. I was like, this is like this is a this is this could be a TV. This is this could be a nighttime drama or cable drama TV show. I was thinking it could be a novel. Yeah, or, like, could, this is prose. I would be fine. Yeah, I mean there there was a little bit of action in the beginning with the torture scene, um, but yeah. not a lot. Um, I have a feeling there'll be more, like as they pull these security heists or whatever they're doing and all this sort of stuff. But you're right. I mean, it was a lot of people talking. But as I was reading it, I was like, wow, this is like this is great because this is not. This is a new idea being done with comics, and yeah. it's being done well. Yeah, I think that, and and I had that thought as I was reading to it, as I was reading through it, because I was like, "Oh, it's a bunch of dudes in suits. Am I going to be able to tell who's who?" And I totally did. I was never confused yeah. as to who was who. Yeah. It's a really risky slope, and a lot of people can't get away with it. And he yeah. did. Yeah, a lot of times, you know, when, when you talk to people, there. You know about putting together comics. You think about it, like it. It should be. You know, it should utilize the format, and and he's good enough to get away with it. But yeah. it's. Uh, Interesting. Anyway, also the characters are named Miller, Moore, and Grant. I noticed that as well. Yes. <laughs> My pick of the week ended up being Fantastic Four six oh five. Oh, you the 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 sentiment uh, the, the the your heart can't got you, didn't it? The emotional the capper emotion, to yeah. the uh, to his run, which is not over, but really, I mean, well, the, just... these are going to be like what we're going to get for the rest of the year. I think are all these little kind of one shots. Yeah, and so I, I think this is. I think we need to get used to this format because, as far as I could tell, at least when I when I interviewed him at Image Expo, it, it was he he had mentioned that yeah he's not doing any other big stories. These are going to be little stories that he wanted to get in with Fantastic Four. Well, so, he doesn't have time to tell more big stories. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. In this issue, Reed and his dad, who looks younger than Reed, which is funny, they go to the future of New York. They go a thousand years in the future, so they go to three thousand twelve, and they go to four thousand twelve and five thousand twelve, and they watch as the world changes and what they've done to the world and how it affects everything, and the fact that they've discovered that Ben Grimm doesn't age except for when he's in human form, which is one week per year, thanks to the Fantastic Four, uh, four kids and the serum they developed for him. So he he's basically immortal. He ages slowly, slowly, slowly until he dies in, in the five thousands, but. It's just really interesting and, and sort of emotional issue where Reed realizes what he's done to Ben and, and, and he's been neglecting him as a friend and so he sits down and has a beer with him. At yeah, the end the, that, yeah, that end was that, – that I was like, ooh, ouch. I, what I find interesting is the, the, apparently the legacy of the Fantastic Four is beards. Yes, yes, because because so Reed's dad comes back. He's got a beard. We saw we saw Franklin from the future. He's got a beard, and then a thousand years in the future uh, thing. Ben Grimm has got a rocky beard, and it gets longer as he gets older. 
Well, that's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Well, the so, thing about Reed, you can understand why Reed has it because if he's left to his own devices, he just stops taking care yeah, of himself. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, but Ben Grimm, I can't explain yeah, that. Yeah, well, Reed doesn't have the beard. His dad has the beard. But yeah, but Reed, I could see Reed's one step away from a beard. Yeah, totally. How does oh, yeah. he grow the beard? Like, he only has the weak. So he's just, he's not shaving as a human, I, I, I guess. Don't know, I don't know. And then the beard grows and then it turns into he's, rocks. Where does the, very where, swarthy. Where does General Ross's mustache go when he turns into the Red Hulk? <laughs> These are the questions that we need answered. Yeah, exactly. Well, when, when, when he turns into – like his beard grows fast. So in a week, he makes a lot of progress and those weeks right. add up. <laughs> oh, uh, it's long at the end. It's like uh, – it's, Yeah, it's, it's like old long man beard. Rocky beard. Yeah. Yeah. It's Alan Moore beard. <laughs> so. But it was great. It, this has been a wonderful, I and mean, every issue is more. I think I enjoy more than the last because he's, he keeps building on what he's been doing for the last couple of years, and uh, this has been one of the finest superhero runs in, in the last in, in the time we've been doing this show, the time we've been doing this website. I yeah, think absolutely agreed, totally. Hickman made a couple. He jumped up a couple of rungs on the ladder this year already. It's only April. Yep. So let's talk about graphically. Yay! Who is uh, who's. <laughs> Sponsoring the show, but also kind of owns the show. <laughs> our our parent company, and they're yes. a perpetual sponsor. Some people made some comments last week around the timing of last week's show and us being fully booked with other advertisers. Um, the Graphly was no longer supporting iFanboy the show. That is not the case. It's not at all the case yeah. because you are listening to us. Exactly. <laughs> Basically, uh, you you may have seen uh, there was there was a bit of news. There was a there was a press release. There was a lot of stuff going on about Graphically sort of switching up the direction that we're doing things. There were some uh, misleading headlines. Yes. There were definitely misleading headlines. They're not out of comics. It's not the case at all. I know. <laughs> Trust me. Graphic is still doing comics. They just changed things a little bit. We're focusing on on ebook ebook distribution for uh, publishers, both independent and large, because the idea being that if you're looking for a book, what's what's a better place to look for it than in a really big bookstore uh, like Amazon or Nook or you know any of the other places where you can get digital books online? And we're looking at a way to make it easier for publishers to get into those places. Um, Apple, so if, Apple iBooks is one of those, yes. is a great spot. Yep. Uh, if you are a publisher, if you are either a self-publisher or you've got books that you own, you know, comics that you want, you can easily upload them uh, for free onto our system and, and they can be read in the marketplace or, you know, you can, uh, you can find out how to get involved in, in getting distributed into ebooks. And there's no, there's no barrier to entry there other than what you want to do. There's no gatekeeper for that. And so it's a really good opportunity uh, for people uh, who yeah. are interested. In that. Re- really, yeah. It's basically making um, what has been difficult in the past for independent and, and non-independent for regular publishers to take their content and make it available digitally. Uh, graphically, our mission is to help get uh, publishers, whether it's comics or, or children's books or picture books or photo books or any any sort of visual uh, book format format type thing, to make it easy to enter into the digital world. So just go to graphically.com. Uh, you can check out check it out there. You can sign up there, and you can start publishing in like literally ten minutes. Your book could be published. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty cool. So. Still doing comics. Yes. Just also doing other things. (laughs) We are still here also doing other things. And that's the end of the story. All is well. If you're a creator, you you, you do owe it to yourself to just check it out. Absolutely. Absolutely. Cool. Uh, This next segment is sponsored by IDW's Cobra number 12. (laughs) (laughs) It's not. It's not. Hey, Connor, do you remember when uh, G.I. Joe Cobra was like the best book on the stands for reasons that no one still understands? Yeah, yeah. Chuckles came back in this issue. He well, he wrote a letter. I just, I, I don't, I don't. I stopped You're reading all it. the books. Yeah, I, I think once the re- reboot happened and you know, the, or the renumbering, whatever you want to call it, the reorganization, I just lost. I started losing interest, and I, 
uh, as each month went by, I lost more and more to the point where a couple months ago I just completely stopped reading all the G.I. Joe books. So well, anyway. uh, I've been reading Cobra all along. I did drop off uh, most of the other ones. But this uh, – it was, it was uh, basically it was a wrap-up to the Chuckles story from before because Chuckles sort of just disappeared. But it was a letter that he'd written to, to General Hawk and explain some things and they're closing up shop at the pit and uh, it, was a, it was a good issue just in the vein of the, all those other ones uh, read it Connor read this one issue you'll like it okay that's that's all that's what I can I can tell okay you. so in our light week feature earlier this week I told everyone that they need to pick up Journey into Mystery because there's something in it that would be uh, worth not missing and now we can talk about it because we can bring up spoilers but the conclusion to the story arc terrorism myth where Loki and Damon uh, Hellstrom and and Leah were fighting Nightmare for the control of fear and the dreamscape and all stuff like that. Basically, Loki outsmarts all the fear lords, all the uh, various demons that control the realm of dreams, and they represented that by a two-page board game that's in the middle of the comic that you can pull out and play at home, which is awesome. <laughs> There's literally a board Did game. Did you? I didn't rip it out, but I looked at it. It's you should cool. rip it out and play well, it. It's the friends is, over. The thing is, if you read it and you read the details, there's a little bit of a catch. It requires a seven-sided die. What? You tell me you can't find a seven-sided die in San Francisco? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And basically, the idea is that is that Loki outsmarted all these demons and and fear lords um, into a stalemate, basically, where they need to learn to trust each other, um, and no one person gets to rule over the dreamscape. And that's the, and the game and the game represents that like you can't win the game, which is funny, but very very clever, very well done, very well executed by Kieran Gillen and Richard Elson and the rest of the Journey into Mystery team. It ma- made me laugh. It was great. So uh, if you're a Journey into Mystery fan, you know what I'm talking about. And if you're not, this is one of the you know it's one of the quietly one of the best books Marvel's putting out. So uh, go back and pick up the trades and that sort of stuff because it's it's worth reading. I can tell you one thing: Lobster Johnson, the Burning Hand, is not number six thirty six. That's my script. <laughs> <laughs> it's number four of five. This miniseries is just a straight-up Lobster Johnson adventure from the, I want to say, 30s. It's been so much fun. This has been the best Lobster Johnson miniseries that I've ever read. Uh, this is Hellboy Books, or BBRD, if you're not you're not familiar with it. Lobster Johnson is a recurring character who is from the past and, and died in the present. And so we're, we're flashing back and we're seeing him fight some mobsters and, and a really scary sort of burning skeleton character. And it's all a little mysterious and... It's pulpy is what it is. It's really pulpy. And, and the artist is um, the guy from Who is Jake Ellis, who I'm completely blanking on right now. Help me out. Tanji Zanzik. Tanji Zanzik. It's beautiful. It's, yeah. a, it's an absolutely beautiful book. I have every single issue of this has been fun so far, and this has been the best one so far. This is a trade you could easily go pick up if you haven't read any of it or if you well, just Lobster, read some of Lobster it Lobster Johnson was like that it had one other collection mm-hmm. before and you didn't need to know anything about Hellboy you didn't know anything about the world you just sort of enjoyed the adventure yeah. so and this one's this one's like that but better it's just in every possible way so it, it's a ton of fun and uh, the people who are reading it have all been agreeing so uh, check it out it's, it's worth it also from Kieran Gillen this week was Uncanny X-Men number 10, Carlos Pacheco on art. And if you if you remember back a couple years ago when Kieran did that miniseries about S.W.O.R.D., you know, the Abigail Brand, the character that Whedon uh, created from Astonishing X-Men, the, the satellite and protecting the Earth from whatever, you saw mm-hmm. that he introduced a character named Unit, which is kind of like the silvery robot dude that was imprisoned in S.W.O.R.D.'s in Sword. Why can't I say S.W.O.R.D. all of a sudden? S.W.O.R.D. S.W.O.R.D. In S.W.O.R.D.'s headquarters. And you might have – if you were like me, you wondered what's the deal with this character. He looks really intriguing because he's very polite and very almost C-3PO-esque in terms of being like – it looks like a robot and, and how he deals with people. But why is he in prison? Why is he a threat? 
well, this issue you find out why is a threat, and dear God, this guy might be one of the most powerful things in the in the Marvel universe right now. Like talk about a, a, a ticking time bomb. But this is a great issue and totally came, brought that this whole character back around full circle and uh, gave a lot more context um, and was uh, – this is a really great issue, fun issue to watch him clean up the X-Men basically. And this also lays the groundwork. There's a little moment of Cyclops and Captain America arguing, starting to starting the argument at least. So That's, that's what this whole event is. It's yeah. just them yelling at each other. Yeah, pretty from much. A, from a profile pr- pretty perspective. Pretty much. But, uh, that that is all the reviews that we have. You were done with your points for that. I was done with my points. For okay, that. that is all the reviews that we have for ours. But we want to go through and, and talk a little bit about what the community had to say about the different books. The top five picks of the week are as follows, and they may change from the time that we're reading it to the time that you actually listen to the show. But as of right now, number five is Conan the Barbarian. Number three, uh, one point five, great issue. Number four, Courtney Crumrin. Number one with two point nine percent. Number three, Batman and Robin. Number eight with six percent. Number two, Fantastic Four, number 605 with 9.4%. And I was surprised to see, after I wrote the pick of the week, that Saga number two was the was the big leader with 70% uh, at the time that we were those recording. Are, those are Scott Snyder Batman numbers. Yes. They are. Yeah, it's amazing. Vaughn's, Vaughn's a big dog. He is, and he hasn't, yeah. he, he hasn't lost any of his, uh, his, his power in the industry, it would talk, seem. Talk about a good comeback. Yeah. So uh, you went to ifanboy.com and wrote some – you being the audience went and wrote some reviews of the comics you read. We're going to highlight a couple of them. Our first one's from Descendant Droog who reviewed Batman and Robin number eight and gave the story a four out of five and the art a four out of five. And as mentioned, 6% of you uh, made this the number three uh, pick, pick of the week uh, book on ifanboy.com in the community. And Descendant Droog says, it's embarrassing admission time. I think this book is better than Batman proper. Wow. Bold words. To me, this is the true heart of the Bat books, and this issue is a perfect example. I'll be buying the first trade of Batman and Robin if only to own this arc again. Wow. Now, what now happened we, to the issues you did own? Now we had some lulls like when we had to explain Ducard's past, but this arc has been nothing but great in my eyes. On to the specific issue, though. We're looking at the best of the bunch. This is the picking up the pieces issue that most arcs have, and in my opinion, that's always the best. The cover is wonderful and is my favorite of the series so far, and the inside arc continues that quality. You know, Norman didn't, uh, didn't have a picking up the pieces issue. No, didn't. That's what we're talking about. <laughs> this is this is okay. It's solid. It's it's not bad. I think the problem is that this is the book where Damien appears, and I think we, we saw last year before the reboot was that the person who handled Damien the least well was Peter Tomasi. He's the writer of this book, so I, I don't I find Damien far less compelling than I did before uh, as a character. So I th- the thing about Batman and Robin was is that it was the special book. It was the one that Grant Morrison did with all these really cool artists. Yeah. And then uh, it's not that this is bad. It just was more standard, and so I, I you know, it wasn't exciting. So I just yeah. fell off. Well, I don't look at it as that anymore because that was the old Batman and Robin. This is the new mm-hmm. one. I'm just looking for a Batman and Robin story that was fun and exciting, and it's okay. It's not bad in any way. Uh, certainly, the art's strong, the writing is strong, but I yeah. don't. Look, there's no spark in it that you have in the other, in you know, in a book like Batman. So it's it's fine. It's I don't think there's nothing wrong with it. A lot of pick of the weeks for for this book though. Yep. Yeah, people like, liked it. Yeah. It's not a bad book, certainly. Wintos reviewed Courtney Crumman number one, gave a story five out of five, and the art of five out of five, and two point nine percent of the people made it their pick of the week. And Wintos says, "Ted Nafe, 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 Nafe sounds awesome." <laughs> Ted Nafe writes, makes writing all ages comics look effortless. His stories never include sex or excessive violence, but include such a degree of nuance that makes comics that depend on such things look juvenile, amateurish in comparison. Courtney Crumman has always been one of my favorite comic series, so I was quite excited to hear about this new ongoing. I'm pleased to see that Ted Nafe is still in fighting form, and I greatly look forward to more adventures in Courtney's world. 
I've never heard of this character. That's uh, from Oni Press. They previously had done uh, graphic novels, and this this is the first issue of an ongoing monthly series. Interesting to see that so many picked up on it. That it's a, yeah. good, a good show, and from Oni, that's for sure. Well, he's, I, I, he's, he's considered going by Knifey. I'm just saying. <laughs> knifey. I can knifey. already see the shirt. <laughs> a knifey shirt. Snap, snap. All right, so those are the comics that uh, that you enjoyed this week. And go to ifanboy.com slash comics, do your pull list, rate and review them, make your pick of the week, and then uh, we will highlight some of them on future shows. On to the emails. Adrian from... You go. Okay. Adrian from... We're off today. <laughs> Adrian from Vancouver. This is because we took a week off last week. This is what happens. It all falls apart. Adrian from Vancouver. Why are, for example, Defenders, Incredible Hulk... And Ultimate Comics X-Men all $3.99, while Age of Apocalypse, Winter Soldier, and Daredevil are all $2.99. All of the above are launched in the past year. None of them are in the top 30. Do you think the more expensive books could benefit from a price drop? Do you think the less expensive books could retain their readership at $3.99? Thanks. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Well, one thing, I don't know about Defenders and Incredible Hulk, but I do know that all the Ultimate books come with the free digital code, so that, that at least you're getting something if you're into the digital thing for your money. From what I understand, that the a lot of the three ninety nine books are ones that either can bear it, like they know that they have a certain built in audience, and those, in a way, and I'm guessing this is speculation based on some things that I know, they do sort of subsidize some of the lesser books, yeah. uh, not not to the point like the other books wouldn't exist without them, but to make it all profitable as a whole. And and what Casada has always said is that well, the salespeople go in. And they, they look at it and they say these are the numbers that'll work and you know they're real good at their jobs. Um, and, and, and that leaves that, that leaves a lot to <laughs> It does, but that's literally been the explanation. So if you're you know, if you're like, Well sales and marketing is running the company, they are. Yeah. Yeah, they uh, that's every uh, media company ever. Yeah. But I don't or know everywhere. exactly, which because it's a business and, and if you don't know that, then you sh- you're not paying attention. But it is interesting to me that Daredevil is a two ninety nine book. Because the way that I've seen it is that whenever they have one of their big names, and the thing is, the bigger your, na- bigger your artist or writer is on a book, the more they have to pay them, so the more the book costs them. Right. So yeah, but when- I think that was much more of an experiment, that book, than anything. Huh. That book Daredevil had fallen off the map. Yeah, and I think they. And I, they, 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 I think that, yeah, they've got they've got to take they've got to take a. There's a lot of ingredients that were. Yeah, they've got to take in like what they need to do to get people to get into the book. Like what 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 can they re- like? So for example, I just I have all my Marvel books that I bought this week. All right, and so like Journey into Mystery, a book that is critically acclaimed, but pro- I don't know how it does in sales. Probably not so great. It's a little edge case or whatever. That's two ninety nine. All right, mm-hmm. Fantastic Four two ninety nine. Really? Yep. That's Un- interesting. Uncanny X-Men, three ninety nine, Because they know I'm going to buy it regardless. Mm-hmm. Avenging Spider-Man, number six, $3.99. Um, $3.99, comes with the digital code, by the way. Uh, Avengers Assemble, $3.99, comes with the digital code. New Avengers, no digital code, $3.99. Anything top, Avengers. Top tier book. Yeah. Secret Avengers, $3.99. Ultimate Comics, Ultimate Comics X, Ultimate X Men, three ninety nine with the digital code. Winter Soldier, two ninety nine. Scarlet Spider, two ninety nine. And Wolverine number three hundred four, three ninety nine. So, <laughs> my basic point is, I see nothing in common with any of these books. It's <laughs> <laughs> in the price it's, lines. It's the big names. The most popular ones cost more. No, but not necessarily though. That's the thing. It's, it's all over the map. The, the, yeah, that's, no, I, I mean, the, complicated for us. Yeah. The, the popular characters. When you talk about Wolverine, X Men, Avengers. Yeah, but like fanta- you said, they know you're going to buy them. Fantastic Four? Fantastic Four, 
I mean, it hasn't historically been one of their big names. No, I mean, it well, used to be, but it, I mean, it isn't recently. It's a big seller, yeah, but but. But yeah. they, the thing is, when you take a book up from, I don't want to say from the dead, but like a book like Daredevil, which people just had stopped paying attention to, and you you start getting people on it, like I think they think, well, we've got a good thing here. If we raise the price on it, we're going to drive people away. Yeah, uh, that's the only thing I can think of. I, I honestly, I have no idea. I can't even, I can't even begin to go yep. inside of David Gabriel and Dan Buckley's head, the head of sales and marketing is David Gabriel and uh, the publisher is Dan Buckley. I don't know what their spreadsheets tell them and, and how they, how they mix in what the economic requirements to break even or make money on a book is in terms of hiring the talent combined with what the market can bear in terms of sales combined with the, the, those X those non, the not qualitative factors where bringing a book back from the dead or, you know, maybe because Fantastic Four and FF, they're both two ninety nine. You know, like I don't, I don't know. Like, I, like they, they, it's this big equation that we don't, we're not privy to, and I doubt we have. I bet they're kicking themselves for pricing Daredevil at two ninety nine, though. But would it have blown up? I mean, there's all kinds of things to take yeah. into account. Yeah. You never know. Yeah. Can you get into Alan Fine's head? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. He's too busy executive he's, producing. He's an executive producer. Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> what the fuck does that mean for a comic? Producer. Uh, yeah. <laughs> All right. Levi wrote it and said, "Just two years ago, everyone who followed comic books was raving about the Joe Kelly Renaissance. You guys praised him on an almost weekly basis. What happened to Kelly? I haven't seen him since Grim Hunt. Any news or even hints of news of a new comic, or is he out of the game?" I don't think he's out of the game. Those man of action guys come, they, they, they go away, they come back, they go away, come back because they're busy making tons of money doing cartoons. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that, and that's really the thing. Like, where had Joe Kelly been? He cartoons. was making cartoons. Uh, the, the man of action guys all created Ben 10. And if you haven't heard of that, then you've never been around a child. Or in the the store. Ultimate Spider-Man cartoon. Right. And then pick. that's the other thing that they're working on now is doing the ultimate Spider-Man cartoon and then it was also I'm, an I, announcement last week that they, they got like four new properties. Right. That, that are coming out. Like they went to, Cartoon and Toyland. Yep, that's a land made of money. And and that's yeah. they're not necessarily out of comics. I mean, they're doing no. the, the Ultimate Spider-Man. They're doing stuff with Marvel. They do. I mean, Ben Ten is a is a great you know is a big thing. Joe Kelly uh, just recently at, at WonderCon, he was talking a lot about the adaptation of um, his Superman, the Superman versus the Elite yeah. that he's working on. So I mean, so he's they're working in animation and they're working on comics properties, but none. But that said, like I talked to Steve Siegel at Image Expo and Steve Siegel, who I haven't seen anything in years. And he was like, "Oh, I'm waiting until stuff is done before I solicit it." And, and he's that's like, the thing. And, yeah, and he's like, "And I've got these three projects that are coming out this year." I was like, "Wow, okay, those cool. guys, those guys can now." I mean, I don't want to speak to their position, but they can afford to dabble in comics instead of relying on comics. Yeah. So but when also, they, do they a may comic have learned project, a lesson from when, when Kelly came back, and how did any of his us. did one of his minis finish? Only one out of three. Um, four eyes finished. I kill John. Bad, finished. Bad wolf. Bad, bad dog. Bad, Bad dog, dog didn't yeah. finish. Yeah. You know, all I mean, those artists got hired. Yeah, right. So I mean, they, I think they learned that lesson maybe, and they're going to wait and finish their books before they put them out. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. There's lots of things, but the thing is, they, that's where they went. They, they went. They go off to make cartoons. Yeah, they all love comics. They, I think they'd all have their, their choice would make comics, but I have no doubt about that. Yeah, yeah. That, it's that, just those, those dudes love comics, mm-hmm. right? So this is the way it goes. Yeah. He'll be back. I'm sure he will. So. Mm-hmm. All right, cool. Uh, so if you have any questions, you can email us at contact at ifanboy.com or you can call on a voicemail line like this gentleman asking about one of my new favorite series. Hey, iFanboy. This is Scott in Texas, formerly Scott in Wiley, Texas, and I had to call to ask, how is Scarlet Spider so good? I'm territorial with writers and don't usually venture out a whole lot, but I have no idea who Chris Yost is, but Ryan Stegman is just murdering it on art. And... 
I gotta be honest, I feel kind of weird after reading it. It's, it's special, and that doesn't really make sense because this is based on clone stories. So we got Yost and Stegman, two people who are known for writing things that I don't typically care about, and somehow they're making a book that's rocking my stuff. So does Marvel have Rumpelstiltskin on staff? Because they seem to be turning straw into gold. That's right, Josh. I just used an 1800s literary reference for all you intellectuals. Well, I got bad news for you. (laughs) (laughs) Jerk face. No, Uh, no. no. Well, well, before we get, yeah, I mean, I totally, I've been loving Scarlet Spider. It's great. It's really, and and Chris Yost has been around. He's another guy. I think he's worked in cartoons and animation and stuff like that. He does does Avengers right now. Yeah. But he's also done stuff on and off at Marvel. I'm pretty sure he did that old new X-Men run that Scotty did back before Wizard of Oz. Yeah, him. Yeah, exactly. So he's, Chris Yost is a good dude. He knows what he's doing. But Stegman has been killing it. So much so. <laughs> so much so that they're taking him off the book to put him on one that's going to be three ninety nine. I don't know if that's true. <laughs> um, uh, you will have found out at Chicago that, that Ryan is now doing Fantastic Four with Jonathan Hickman. Yeah. Which is a big step up, and it's good to see it. I, I know that he enjoyed the hell out of this book, working on Scarlet Spider. I, it's the thing that he seems to have been more excited about than anything he's worked on so far. Well, I had a little talk with him. There's some questions up on the website by the time you listen to this about that. Yeah, get some more insight in there. But I, but I think it's really interesting because he, he said, you know, as as our caller said, Scarlet Spider is based on clone stories. How can this be good? Because it just shows a good creative team can do good things. Mm-hmm. Like it's not it's not there are no bad characters. There are bad stories or they're bad writers. You know, and one of the things is this is a disconnected book in a way. It isn't affected by a bunch of stuff so they can just tell their story. Yep. And it's so uh, talented creators it, being able to just tell their story, you know, it can yield wonderful results, yep. including promotions to other books. Yeah. You had to know there's no way he was staying on that book. Yeah, no, I mean, he's, he's just no not way. Well. Yeah. There's just, there was no way. <laughs> All right. You have to rocketeer in three years. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. All right, on to our next voicemail. Hey, guys, this is Marco from uh, Cape Town, South Africa, and I have a two-part question for you. Um, I just saw the Eisner nominees list for 2012 and noticed that under the best comics-related journalism category, there's no mention of iFanboy. Um, I just wanted to know if I'm missing something. Are, are you guys simply snubbed every year, or is it a criteria thing? And if so, is it time for some new categories? I'm hoping you guys can fill me in on that. Um, okay, on to question two. I'm going to what I consider to be the comic book. This is right. I've part of my life. Comforted in the knowledge that, given the chance, the choice is always, always Batman. I want to be Batman, read Batman, see Batman, you know. So the other day, 30-something me was doing some drone-like activity. Um, I think it was the dishes. Um, and I had this light bulb moment. I realized that being Batman would mean essentially being really good at doing homework and having to do homework every single fucking day just to keep an edge on all these other super powerful friends and threats. So... Now, here I am, at my core, um, in my most honest answer, I know that my answer to the ultimate fanboy question, who would I want to be, is now Arsehole Green Lantern. Arsehole Green Lantern, with his flying and force fields and space travel and no office work and still saving the day and getting the ladies. So finally, my question. Can you, as your adult selves, answer the following question as honestly as possible? Given a choice, I choose. Um... Keep up the great job. Love the show. You guys are an absolute content for comic book fans in small communities and countries who want to be plugged into comics as much as possible. All the best, Marco. 
Wow, South Africa. I don't think we've ever gotten a voicemail from, from South Africa before. That's a first. We can put so, Connor, put a pin in the map. He got, Ding. He, got, right. he got extra time for that. Yeah, excellent. We'll go back to the Fraffer map. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> so Eisner's, yeah, no, Eisner nominations came out. We didn't get nominated again this year. Uh, I don't think, you know, the way the Eisner's work is that it's a, it's a small group of a nomination committee and they pick the nominations and, and what their criteria for our category is, I couldn't tell you, but there's yet to be any site that does podcasts or does media and all the stuff that we do. And my, my guess is that we're a little ahead of the curve. And they just need to catch up. But what do you get to? But the, you know, the Eisners do allow write-ins. So if you know someone who is qualified to not, to vote in the Eisners, tell, you know, suggest that they uh, write us in. That would that would be that would be wonderful if you did that. It would. Yeah. Everyone do it. Exactly. <laughs> um, so yeah. So that's the Eisners. So yeah. So we'll get him, we'll get him next year. So he's he's doing he's doing the dishes and he thinks I want to be Batman. Then he realizes a lot of work involved. He doesn't want to be Batman. So he'd rather just get the ring and be a jerk. Yeah. Who would you be? What does that says a lot about him? <laughs> yeah. Well, if you think about it, it's not wrong. There's a lot no. of studying. Yeah, there's a lot of studying. A lot of obsessive lonely nights. Yeah. Or do we, so, so do we have to stay in the DC universe? Or? No, 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 no. I don't you think we have to. do any, any, any character. Any, so any, uh, well, I'm, I'm going to stay in DC. I, I always, my answer to this is always uh, The Flash. I, I want to, because I move slow. Then there's that. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. You got it. Well, there's the initial trauma. Of the lightning strike. Yeah, but I can get over that. And then after that, you're golden. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Then I can get, I can get places really fast. I can get, you know, that, that's my whole thing. It's like, it's either Flash or Nightcrawler. That's what I always say. Like, oh, do you have to go through the whole origin? Like, if, if he, if I, if he did, if you chose Batman, do your parents have to get murdered? Yeah, pretty much in front of you. That's awful. And you have to go see the Lone There's Ranger. almost no superhero that you could pick without having to go through some sort of awful personal <laughs> trauma. Trauma, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's true. It's true. Josh? Captain America. Okay. I could really use the juiced up metabolism. <laughs> I, I was going to say Superman, but that would require the Earth to explode <laughs> and me to get sent somewhere else. <laughs> Please don't choose that. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, I think Green Lantern is not a bad idea because nothing bad's going to happen to me. I just stumble upon a dead alien. Yeah. Which, Be specific which one because, you, you you know. Or you can go, throw, you can go Green Arrow because then you'll be rich. But then my yeah, parents are no also skills. dead. And I got to live on an island for like a year. She's rich. And you've got, <laughs> and you've got no extra powers. So you're you're sitting duck out there yeah, eventually. That's, that's a good point. That's a good good point. And I'm not going to survive in the wild for a year. Yeah, let's be honest. No. You don't I even hate, have sunblock. I hate camping. I would totally get. I would get the melanoma. <laughs> the melanoma. My entire body'd be one big melanoma. Yeah. Uh, diseases uh, always have the sting taken off you with the in front of them. <laughs> He's got just, the herpes. Yeah. I mean, if you if you if you discount the planet blowing up, I'd go Superman. But, fair enough. Because then I could run as fast as Ron, but still do all kinds of other things like fly. True. Yeah. See, I'm not greedy. Yeah, I, well. I just want to be able to get places quickly. <laughs> anyway, so uh, so if you've got any questions, or if you're from South Africa, uh, you can call us with your funny accent and on our voicemail line at one eight 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 fanboys is one eight 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 three two six two six nine seven. Always good to hear from everyone. Um, if this was not enough comic booking for you, we have another podcast called iFanboy Don't Miss, which comes out usually every Monday where we talk to a creator or some creators about a book that's coming out this week that you absolutely should not miss when you go to the store. This week uh, we're talking to uh, the guys behind the graphic novel Shooters, uh, which is uh, written by Eric Troutman and Brandon Jerwa with art by Steve Lieber. And I believe Paul's speaking with Eric Troutman about the book. And so you can hear all about that graphic novel which is coming out from Vertigo. Um, so you can get that on iFanboy.com on Mondays or subscribe to it on iTunes. There is also the Make Comics podcast, which comes out every Wednesday morning, where I, I usually speak with Andy Schmidt of Comics Experience, who has much editorial experience, and he teaches people how to make comics. Um, this week I spoke with Robert Atkins, who teaches the uh, artist course 
the comics experience. We talked about who's a great guy. You, he's a great guy too. He is a great guy. Uh, he's been doing GI Joe for a, a while. Yeah. We were talking about what's in the portfolio, and I gotta say, even if you're not an artist, like these are still worth listening to. And you know, if you're listening to the ones that are based on a writer. You know, they're, they're still worth listening to if, if you're not that. And then also I had a longer conversation, but among the same vein, with a couple of pro artists, Brent Schoonover and David Marquez. Brent has done a couple of books most recently, Mr. Murder is Dead from Archaea. And uh, David Marquez just did Fantastic Four Season 1 and then just showed up in Ultimate Spider-Man, which is what he's, he's doing now. So uh, really long, interesting conversation about sort of being a professional artist, what that means, working for the different kinds of companies out there and, and you know – how to build a life around being an, uh, a comic book artist. And again, whether you want to actually be a comic book artist or not, it's a, it is a really good conversation, I thought. And, and actually, the talk about portfolios and stuff kind of ties pretty nicely into last week. We posted an announcement of we're going to be doing a series of posts on fanboy.com called Tweetfolio with Bon um, Almagno. I'm probably mispronouncing his last name. but I think bon. you did really well. Thank you. Um, I am Italian. But Bon used to bon used to work at Marvel and used to do portfolio reviews at Marvel and a lot of talent coordination. And he has graciously offered to review your portfolio. So uh, go to ifanboy.com, search for Tweetfolio because he's doing it over Twitter, Tweetfolio. And we're going to repost it again. Probably, we're going to post it again uh, upcoming weeks. But he'll take a look at your portfolio online and give you constructive criticism in a public forum on ifanboy.com for everyone to see. We're all about making the future stars of comics. I'm just going to step in here if I may. Oh, hey, Paul. I didn't see you sitting there. L- ladies and gentlemen, it's the Internet's Paul Montgomery. Hey, everybody. Uh, we've got some news to announce. So we ran this contest on the site. It was a lot of fun for uh, Avengers versus X-Men. I saw a picture. Somebody had uh, our, our friend Pat Loika posed his toys and did like this Magneto versus Iron Man thing. They gave me this idea. We should do a contest where we say, what what battles do you want to see in Avengers versus X-Men? That, and that was, so, that was an awesome idea. We got a ton of great entries, like a ton of Yeah, we got a, yeah. We got a lot. And we, we whittled it down to five, picked my five favorites, and put them up and gave you the, the – uh, the ability to vote on it and uh, we have our winners it was neck and neck for a really long time and it was between match a and match c the wolverine versus the world with the with the uh, uh mighty mugs and uh match c was the assassination of charles xavier and it was like crazy there were all these like there was a play set and the avengers versus the x-men with water balloons but the winner was uh match a wolverine versus the world and uh that was kevin craig so congratulations kevin congrats, so yeah congrats kevin and the, the, honestly we were overwhelmed with the response that this got and maybe we'll do more of these in the future but that was a, a ton of fun yeah you get your your creative bunch i fan base and uh we're gonna have fun with this and you know voting on stuff and hopefully we'll do more fun things like this in the future but uh you can read more about that we'll have a post on it uh on ifanboy.com that'll be at ifanboy.com where you can read josh's pick week review and soon you'll be able to read ron's book of the month review yes as well as all the other great content we have every day on ifanboy including some great superman discussion this week on ifanboy.com which was really impressive I got, um, I got a t- I got a text from Mike and he was like 176 comments by the way and I was like shut up because <laughs> I wrote I wrote him when I was like you know I could do that with a what's wrong with you with no problem he's like well I'm- it's like damn it no, we're, did a great we're very job. competitive at iFanboy HQ but you know what I, I gotta say that I was really impressed by the, the community in that and that was a really good discussion yep. and is what I've always been proud of us for including Mike's Mike's article and Ryan's follow up article yeah both, both did interesting discussions about Superman and the the trouble with Superman 
Uh, so go to fanway.com slash about. You can find our, our links to social networks. Be our friend on, on the internet. Uh, fanway.com slash tw- uh, twitter.com slash fanboy and, twitter- and facebook.com slash fanboy to find us on the internet. And as mentioned earlier, if you want to get in touch with us, go to email us at contact.ifanboy.com or leave a voicemail at 1-888-FANBOYS. It's 1-888-326-2697. Any comments or um, anything you got, bring it on. We want to hear it. And as you may or may not know, you are the people who bring uh, iFanboy to the other people. Uh, it's your words, uh, it's your your recommendations, your links, and your reviews in iTunes or any for our podcasts or, or anything like that. So uh, if you think you can help spread the word, or you think somebody else will enjoy the show or the site, uh, you know, link it up on on uh, social networks or or write a review. The, all that stuff really helps. Uh, and thank you for everybody who has uh, helped out. Indeed. All right. So it's good to be back. Good to be back in the saddle with you boys. Um, looking forward to next week. Until then, I'm Ron. I'm Connor. And I am Josh. And I was I was a little rusty, I'll admit it. There it is. I'm sorry. I just read a tweet from Heidi from the Retailer Summit where somebody from Diamond's talking and about digital, and the quote is, "There's no such thing as out of print and digital." And it attributed to Diamond's Dave Bowen talking about their digital comics initiative. But all I read was Diamond Dave, and I was like, "Whoa, David Lee Roth's there!" Zip it, zip up, zip up, dude.